0: Today on the Rita Me Do It Show,
1: the work you're doing, this is bad ass. You are making something for yourself. This can be what you want it to be. You're, I mean, I feel it because you're confronting, you know, hundreds of years of establishment that says work looks like a thing and we value work when it looks like a certain thing. Let's say stand up for yourself. That's the that's the kind of the blunt side of things. I would say also schedule date nights i mean we make all the time for our business we schedule times to have calls and conversations like this when have we put something onto our calendar that says this is the time that i'm going to spend with my partner walking in the woods going to see a, a do something together i commit and invest time in the relationship and i think as soon as you start doing those things i think that the communication outside of that becomes easier I think they're more willing to understand and listen to you when they feel heard and understood and that you've made time for them. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking
0: engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because of Rita, because of Rita, Rita, I Rita be I've evil. doubled You're my revenue by doubling employee. my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest, and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rita Mimi Do It show. I'm really excited for today's episode. I will say that this is the first episode that I actually pre-talked about in my community, the all in entrepreneur. And boy, oh boy, was this a hot topic when I kind of said, Hey, I'm interviewing someone around this topic. The questions came flowing in. So I think it's going to be a really great discussion today. So I am talking with my new friend, uh, Sean uh, McMullen and Sean and I met recently at She Podcast Live. We were both in Atlanta for the like one of the first Largest all women podcasting conventions that there have been, and he was about one of ten guys who were who was at the conference, and his wife actually was the speaker. So you may or may not know her. Her name is Tara, Tara McMillan uh, McMillan, and she um, she was a speaker. She's also a very visible, well-known entrepreneur herself. And she led like even a meetup there, right? She led a meetup for everybody to come get together. And that's where I first met Sean. And what I found really surprising, Sean, whenever I got to talking to you, was that you co-owned a business together because for the first every time I kind of saw you, you were just a little more reserved. You were kind of quiet. You were sh- The focus was on Tara, right? The focus was on Tara and her business. And that's what made me want to dig into this dynamic between the two of you a little more. And Sean and I were talking over coffee one morning and conversation flowed. And I found it really interesting, um, not just about their dynamic, where he was a non-entrepreneur married to an entrepreneur and being in a similar kind of situation, but reversed, you know, that was interesting to me. But it was also interesting because now he works with his wife. They own a company together. And I asked my husband once, like, would you would you ever work with me and he was like oh hell to the no like hell to the no and then sean was like no i was like that too at the beginning so i was like okay this is all super fascinating to me and then i heard about some of his future plans and i was like i have to get this guy on my show and so that's how sean got here today to be in front of all of us so thank you sean thank you for joining me
1: yeah it's good to be here i'm it's
0: excited good to see, it's
1: good to see you again
0: yeah. And and I'm gonna tell everybody that this is your first official podcast interview. And so um I'm I'm gonna be real nice to you and my audience okay, is really wonderful it. too. Um and that explains, and I, I get into this a little later, why I had such a hard time. In fact, let's just start here, why I had such a hard time doing any research on you online. I I never thought that I could meet a person who had less of a digital footprint than my husband or ron swanson from parks and recreation right, right. but like you give them a really good like you're in the running for somebody without a digital footprint is that like is that intentional or is it just no i've never really done anything that's kind of stamped me online
1: uh i would say partially both you know okay. i uh i'm not really compelled to be online, to have okay. a digital presence. And so there's certainly that. Um, it doesn't come naturally to me. It doesn't come, it's not my first nature. Like I'm going to go online and report post my life. I go through short spurts where I'll be like this week, I'm going to post a picture of every, uh, I just, I go through short spurts. And so there's, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying try, you know, trying
0: I'm trying. Well no I mean either way right it was it's kind of interesting for me to not have all the facts and not all the information before I go into an interview it's actually really nice but I I was I, I hunkered down I was like all right I'm going to do my research and I was like oh okay 3 minutes later I'm like that's done now uh so but, but I found that I found that to be really really interesting um but okay so with the, the what I know, and I'm just so excited for today. What I want to start out with is, so everybody dubs my husband Mister Rita. Okay, oh, so yeah. when we go out anywhere, they're like, "Oh, Mister Rita's here. Oh, I like how's Mister Rita doing? Oh, let's talk about Mister Rita." And I'm, I'm, and he laughs about it, and we're going to dig into it a little later. But is that something that happens to you? Given that I think Tara had already been running a very successful business by the time. um you guys got married, right? Maybe even before you were yeah, we, dating. Yeah, right? before
1: we'd even started dating. Yeah, she was already definitely present and, and yeah.
0: Yeah, and it had that, had like a following. And so she was highly visible. Um, do you have that? Is it like, oh, you're Tara's husband? <laughs> is that kind of your identity?
1: Uh, at first, uh, okay. we are. I would say that what your husband was saying, I can definitely relate to. I mean, that dynamic is just like, oh, there's Tara's husband, there's Tara's boyfriend. (laughs) And the very little bit that they know about me are things that she has posted about me and is sort of how she has defined me. So like when we first started dating, it was like, oh, there's a guy who makes kimchi and then for a long time, I was like, "Oh, there's the guy. There's the beer guy." And so then there'd be like, because I worked in the brewing industry.
0: That was one thing I did find out about you. In right, my so three really minutes cute. of online in- yeah, I should you. do I should
1: do that kind of research on myself to see what is actually out there. But um, but it's interesting. As soon as I open my mouth and start talking, it's like I can kind of see some different lights going on. It's like, oh. Tara yeah. and Sean are very different <gasps> people.
0: Oh, very different people. Is that hard for you though, being um, a co-owner of the second sure. talk About, but to be kind of that person, Tara's husband? But you're like, I own a business with her. I am not just Tara's husband. Like, do you speak up? Do you just let it happen? How you know? How do you navigate that kind of situation?
1: Uh, before we were, uh, before we had a business together, I could contentedly be in the background, go to conferences, and just sort of be support staff. Um, I'm teaching myself. I'm learning how to insert myself in conversation, insert my personality and my view, and it's actually really necessary because I feel like I've gotten in trouble a couple of times when we've had clients who expect Tara, and they get uh, me.
0: Oh no! <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> like,
1: and, I thought and, I get
0: Tara
1: <laughs> right, and that's well, not so much that they would like literally get her, but that I that I was going to have her level of experience and her Ah. level of so but that's fine I mean we yeah
0: you you know and also she's like down down the way across the (laughs) across the hall or it's not like you don't talk to Tara about the clients that your company but I get I I totally I totally get that now you guys have only been married for like a little over a year year and a half yeah year and a half okay we're coming up on
1: seven years together uh,
0: Seven years together, year and a half married though, so you're still in the newlywed stage of yeah. marriage, right? Do you find that being in business together, especially with a startup, right? So this is a this is a brand new bi- brand new marriage, brand new business, especially with a startup. Does it overpower the whole kind of like focus on your marriage for the first year to really connect as husband and and wife, or is this happening at the same time? Something that's actually kind of strengthening and boosting your marriage, or a little bit of both?
1: I'd say a little bit of both. I mean, it certainly presents new challenges. You know, when you're doing a startup and you're working, sometimes you're working weekends and you're working late into later into the day than you normally would. And you see each other in the morning and, and then you sit down on the couch and you watch TV for three hours and then pass out. But, um, you know, I feel like in, in marriages where you're not under that kind of pressure, there are certain things you don't learn about each other. It takes longer to learn some things. And so I think, the work that we're doing together is is certainly affecting our relationship in a positive way because yes, there's conflict and we have to learn how to deal with it as yeah, a couple right. and not just as a business owners, right?
0: Right, because it bleeds into everywhere as oh, totally, we're gonna get yeah. into it. It's everywhere. Um, so when I told everybody that I was interviewing you, like I said at the at the beginning, and I didn't say who because I didn't want the questions to be influenced about, or I don't want them to be specifically like, How does Tara do this or how does Sean do mm-hmm. that? Right? I wanted it to be about the situation, about the concept, about the dynamic of working with your spouse, or you having had been um a non-entrepreneur while she was an entrepreneur and all of the stuff that comes with it, um, and it was a it was a hot topic. But before I hop into it, I think it's important that people know a little bit about you. And like I said, I could only find bits and pieces, so I'm going to tell you, right, the bits from our talks at Cheap Podcast, which were not many, but they were they were they were good when we had them, and um, the the bits and pieces online. I'm gonna um kind of say what I know about you in bullet points. Okay, okay. <laughs> so like good. like okay, all right,
1: I'm excited about this.
0: <laughs> National parks.
1: Yes. Beer. Yes.
0: Beer. Writer. Mm-hmm. Artist. Mm-hmm. Punk rock. <laughs> yeah. Star Trek. Yes. Hipster. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Used to be a hipster? Maybe. No, no, <laughs> no. N-
1: no hipster will. No hipster. No, no hipster at all. No, I'm going to say no hipster will ever own the title hipster. I mean, oh, well, that's it's true. It's kind of one of the defining features of a hipster,
0: right? <laughs> it's true. Okay. So no to no. the hipster. Um, so I was like, do these words ring true, right? And people could paint a picture of you based off of those, but, but tell me what's really painted by those words. Like, tell me a little bit about the story of you. And when I say that, I mean, it can be from a kid all the way up to the point where you met, you know, Tara, but obviously cliff note style, because you have to hold on to some of this for your next, your next book, right? But like, what do you want people to know about you? That's kind of between all of those words.
1: There are some of those things that I would say still very, very much apply, but there are a few of those things that no longer apply. And, um, one of the things I think a lot about are the stories that we tell about ourselves to ourselves, the things that we say that we are and that we hold on to identities that we hold on to like punk rock. You know, it's only within the last few years that I've actually been kind of accepting that. No, I don't dumpster dive anymore. And yes, my 19 year old self would have punched me in the face. Um, but there are that there are things that I'm doing now that don't fit into those old models and that I that's okay. And then I can can let go of that.
0: Yeah. And it's all gotten you to where you are. Absolutely. You
1: know, and I don't think that they're separate from each other. And then there, you mentioned the beer thing. And I worked in the beer industry for a very long time, but I'm two years sober. And so the beer thing is certainly, that's completely not a part of my life anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there are certain things where, like when I hear like what comes up off of what you learned, I'm very fascinated about what you learned about me online. Some of that stuff is very dated, you know, and because I don't have an online presence, because I don't keep everyone up to date. But yeah, for me, it's like, I'm fascinated by the idea of the stories that we tell ourselves, even when they're no longer accurate, or yeah. help so us. That's,
0: a, that's actually really, a really good point to dig in on a little bit, because especially as entrepreneurs, the stories that we have about ourselves, I mean, it's in every area. So I focus on it in the entrepreneur land, because sure. that's who mainly listens to me. But the stories we tell ourselves are what dictate the actions that we will or will not take or what we think we're capable of or not capable of or what goals we reach or what goals we don't reach. How do you then or do you intentionally touch base with yourself and like check in and go, how am I growing? Who am I now? What's working? What's not? What do I need more of? What do I need less of? Or do you not do that? And it's just kind of in conversations like this that you're like, oh, that's really interesting. Like I don't really identify with that anymore.
1: One of the things that I absolutely love about the online business world and the entrepreneur world is the the level to which these business owners are more likely to have done personal work. There is way more of it than I would say with your average cross section of the population. I'm I do a lot of it, and yeah, just personal check ins are part of my daily process. I have to, and because I don't want to lose that person that is separate, the person that was before, the person because it's it integrates, but it's but but it's not always the same thing, and so to have that touch point. Of my person, of doing the work on myself and then work out from that place is something I do daily. I journal, I see a therapist, I talk to friends, I talk to my mom, you know, and having people around me who are touch points to be like, okay, this is where you are, this is where you were. And I think it's key. Yeah,
0: I totally agree because I think that we may see our growth, even our patterns are growth in one way, and then when we hear it reflected back to us. It's kind of like, oh, it either it confirms it or it helps clarify. You know, it, it was funny when I first started my business, I remember a branding expert said, look, there are three questions I want you to go and ask your people, but your family, your friends. And I said, what? And she was like, I thought they were going to be these really important big questions. I mean, they were, but she was like, if you were a kind of car, what kind of car would you be and why? Mm. Right? Like if you were an animal, I was like, "Mm, okay. What was your answer? so when i asked people what kind of car i would be i remember like the first one that came up and then every yeah people are they kind of pile on to the answer oh yeah me that's the one i agree with that it was this big beat up station wagon, like an old pinto (laughs) station wagon all beat up and i was like what but it was it was spray painted like all these bright Uh colors right and luckily i had asked and why and the person (laughs) answered it and she said because this car is big and bright and there's enough room for everyone to go along on the ride with you, right? And I was like, that is fascinating that you see me like that. And I really love that that answer. But what I found was some of the answers to some of these questions confirmed for me that I was showing up in the world the way I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And other ones confirmed for me I was not showing up the way I wanted to. And others were just like, wow, like people see that about me. And that's fascinating because I didn't see that about me at all, I, either good or or bad. But um, I, fa- I found that to be so important to kind of check in. And I think people are scared to do that because they're scared of what they're going to hear, right? Mm-hmm. But one thing that I found, or I deduced, and you can tell me if this is true or not, that I've woven together from our conversations and what I little fact I found online, was that you've always kind of had this this thought process of like, how can I innovate or how can I do something in a different way? Or how can this be more creative or how can this grow or or more for change? So like, in my last interview that I had, what I said was, you know, in school, we're actually taught to think in periods instead of question marks, meaning like we just are taught to think about the facts and this is the way things are instead of question things, but it kind of seems like you've always, is this, is this true? You've always been someone that's kind of thought in question marks. Like, is there another way? Is there a better way? Is that true?
1: I would say so. Most definitely. Um, I would say even if it, almost like it precedes me, uh, this is one. this is a story I tell about myself. And I think that it's a positive story that I tell myself, but, uh, it goes back to my, my grandmother was the eldest of 17, and she, of a second wife, polygamist Mormons, and there she was her family was excommunicated. And but as a woman, as an adult, she went and got a college degree, at a time and in a culture where that was not a popular thing. And then left, married a non-Mormon, and then I think that that kind of like rebellious spirit, that questioning spirit started there, at least in, as far as my direct experience, and my mother has it. Two of my biggest role models are my mother and my grandmother. And for sure, I would say that that's something that I picked up where it was, I wouldn't say that I have like a an overly questioning disposition where it doesn't really serve me. It's it's because m- I do like comfort and tradition and cozy old chairs and plaid and, you know, I, <laughs> I like these things. Right. Right. But I do want to, I do like innovation. And so when I enter something like a new business, I'm looking for, how can I make this creative? How can this be a creative outlet for me? How, how can this look like something different?
0: Yeah. Where do you think that that way of thinking may hinder you in any area of life, too? Right, like it. What is what is our strength and makes us unique? Often, also, is the same exact thing that can hold us back and keep us from from moving forward. So that ability to to always be questioning and always be thinking is there a different way? Is there another way? We totally see how that helps you. How has that maybe hindered you in some ways?
1: I would imagine other people would kind of relate to this. It's where the the long game gets very challenging, where the Okay, this is fun. This is new. This is you know what I'm saying? And now yes. and now we're like, okay, now we're a couple of years in and we're doing okay, where do I find my creativity in this? Do I question it? Is it productive for me to constantly be redesigning the model? Do I stick with the model when it works? Those kind of questions, I would say yes. that's where it holds me back.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could totally, I could totally see I that. write,
1: you know, you said that I, I write, so I write yep. fiction. And oftentimes if I over process and overwork it before, like I don't get, I have a hard time getting past the first draft because then it becomes the grind, then it becomes the work, then it's, so I have to find something there. And I think that's the yep. challenge, one of the challenges I'm currently facing.
0: Okay, I could, and and is, is Tara, Tara seems a little more, not that she's not creative or always thinking about innovating, but she seems a little more like Wong Gabe, like, let's stick to this strategy. Let's, this is working and like, let's make it work. So as business partners, does that complement, or do you guys have conflicts and clash because of the way that you'll come at a problem together or the way that you work through something that's happening in the business together?
1: I would say that we're actually quite similar in that way. And I know that she sometimes struggles, not struggles. It's a challenge for her as well to think towards the long game. It's something that she has had to train herself to do. It is yeah. something that she's had to cultivate. It's a skill. And it you know, is. she's been doing this for 10 years. I've been doing it for a little <laughs> like two <laughs> maybe right, like, like
0: for a day. No, I yeah, no, I t- and I I think that that's normal. I think it is actually just default hard to stick to the long I think our brains are wired to want to be distracted or yeah. to look for something faster or to let, li- and I think it only as society changes, it only makes that worse. But what were you doing when you first met Tara for your work?
1: When I met Tara, I was working in a brewery. Um, I had started working in the brewery and I helped get their um, distribution department going there. Uh, and we, when I first got started with them, they were, they were very tiny. And in the process of working with them, we started canning and getting into bars and, Distributing all over the region. This was in Oregon. I've certainly never worked corporate. Like I wouldn't even know what that, that experience would be like. And honestly, I'm not resistant to it. Like some part of me is like, well, that kind of sounds like fun, you know? <laughs> and other people are like, you're in Spain. Uh, I a little cubicle somewhere to call my own. Like, but I have started other businesses. This is technically my second business that I started. The first one was a, was a bakery. It was a anarchist workers' collective that I started with a group of about five or six people, okay. and it was non-hierarchical, and we made decisions on, like, comp- uh, not competency, on um, consensus-making, decision-making oh, processes, wow. and yeah. decision by committee, and death by committee, and it was, <laughs> it yeah. was, uh, I got out, I still feel really strongly about the cooperative model, but I was just tired of listening to people cry. Um, I'm <laughs>
0: It's, it's, it's like really eventually brutal. Eventually you have to get something done though. You have to, you have to move things forward and get things and done. And they did.
1: Right. I mean, unfortunately that business is still in existence and still functional and still paying their bills and not really paying anybody, anybody that works for them very well. <laughs> I love those guys. They're great. Right. Uh, I don't I love them, but yeah, that was no, not my place.
0: It's not your place and it served it served its purpose. Right. So a lot of people that I talk to where they either have a spouse who is a not is not an entrepreneur and they are, or vice versa. There's always like a concern. Like, like I like, um, so I was talking to somebody and she was like, So I met this guy and he asked what I did. And I said, I'm an entrepreneur. And he was just like, Oh, like I have to really think hard about dating you now, because there's like a whole world that comes with that, that I don't know that I want to be a part of. Was there any concern when you and Tara started getting serious about like, okay, she's got this life and she's got this business and there's all this visibility and there's all the stuff that comes with it. And like, or was it just like, this is Tara and I love Tara. And this is just part of the way being with her is going to be.
1: I think it's the latter. I mean, we, it was, it's funny. Like on our first date, I, I don't remember what it was like we met on OkCupid, right? And she, I, I can't remember if it was on her profile or on the first date, but she had said something about what her business was called. And I swear, I thought it was Kickstarter. And <laughs> I was like, oh, you you own Kickstarter? Wow. <laughs> and so I think it was a few weeks that that's what I thought the, her business was. But uh, it turns out it wasn't. But It um, wasn't. No. So there was actually
0: like a letdown. Like, oh, I thought I was dating somebody <laughs> different who owned Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> but the truth is, is like, uh, yeah, I mean but even kickstarter like at that time i was completely oblivious to that yeah. world and i would say that when we met i was a little intimidated for sure that she came that she was came from a world that was i had no experience in and i couldn't really find a place to uh, where i could relate mm-hmm. but you know as romance works the things that we actually connected on were deeper Things like Star Trek. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Things that permeate and, like, last, the lasting real connections, right? And as my husband always says, I kind of wish you were a gamer, Rita. (laughs) I wish that you were a gamer. He's like, because then we'd have that deep bond. (laughs) I'm like, seriously? But I get it. I get it. Because those are the things that, like, in any situation, in any career, at any stage, all of those interests uh, together, right, those hobbies or those whatever, those are the commonalities that just can – Maintain while other things are are changing. Right, you're constant. Like that's your constant. It
1: did take it did take me a long time before I figured out what she actually did. Like even <laughs> even she had to tell me over and over and over on what she did, and I just did not understand. And I tried to like tell family what the girl do. Girlfriend does for a living. And I was like, oh man, I just go find her online. <laughs>
0: just Google her. Just start watching her <laughs> because I can So when I was getting all of these questions that people wanted to ask you, one of them was. <laughs> ask him, how did he support, or how does he support a strong woman? And I said, you know, but to me, that question, and I, even though after I, so I I assumed my first instinct was, wow, but that question implies that you're not a strong man, but not really, it, it's not saying that. The question isn't saying that. It's just kind of my interpretation. But I think personally it takes a very strong partner, man, whatever, to be with, right? Like and to support an entrepreneur, I think gender or whatever is a, irrelevant. But so how did you find yourself supporting her before working together? Right. Because I know how my husband supports me, right? There's there are very specific ways that we've kind of like developed uh support and that he gave and it was something he had to navigate like what is the best way he's like do I just pet your head and say it's gonna be okay when you're like we're not gonna have any money and I think we're gonna just eat like macaroni forever or do I like try to help you or do I try to what what do I do well we've we've figured it out a little bit right because it doesn't matter how successful I am I still have the days where I'm like pretty sure we're just gonna be eating macaroni for the rest of our lives and this whole thing's gonna burn down right but but How did you find yourself best able to support your entrepreneur wife?
1: I I think in the what you're saying there around that, it's like it's not really much different than just supporting your partner regardless of what they do. You take that time to listen to what their experience is, give give them space to process it in the way that they need to, and be like, hey, when you need me. I'm over here, come and find me when you're ready. And trying your hardest to understand what their experience is. I mean, that's something we should be doing as partners regardless, right? Um, In there, there is that interesting element of, is there something different about a man supporting his wife entrepreneur? Is there something different there? I'm of the opinion that really there, and it comes down to it, there isn't. But I'm also not ignorant to the way that society perceives that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say in general, I mean, I don't think she would want to have anything to do with me if I wasn't the feminist that I am. Right. And I would say I support all women in all of their endeavors. And I think that yeah. they can stand right next to me, and do anything that I can do. And so, you know, we're husband and wife. We do that first yeah. and then, you know. I don't know if I answered the question there. No, you did.
0: You did. And it's, it's, I'm just sitting here thinking about my husband. I think that it's, you know, obviously it's tied to the way that you were brought up and everything. But for example, when I first went into his apartment when we were dating, it became very clear he's never done. Household chores before, right? Like it became very obvious to me that he's not an organized. Like I'm just going to clean the dishes and clean up my room and do all of this stuff. And I very much was. And when we first got married, because I was an attorney, when we first got married, I had even as an attorney, I had a few more traditional hours, and I would still come home and be the one to to do some of the cleaning. And but when I became an entrepreneur, that was the first thing to start falling apart, and I I remember I fell apart one day when I was like, I just can't load the dishwasher, like I can't do it, and I need you to do it, and I need you to like, he's like, so the way that we have kind of purposefully, the way he supports me is he has stepped into Doing the cooking and doing the cleaning and doing more of the house stuff where in his mind, not that he's very like the woman's supposed to do that, but he just hadn't and I had. So when we dated, that was the dynamic and suddenly that was gone and our house was getting dirty and it was just like, and he works all day. Mm -hmm. So it was. there was still the dynamic of, I work all day too, Rita, and I come home and I don't want to clean the house. And I'm like, but I literally work 24 hours, Chuck. So like, I need you to clean the house a little bit. And so there was a little bit of navigating like that, right? That had to, we had, I had to, but I had to ask for what I wanted and needed. And I did not do that at the beginning, right? So I think you're right. I think it's, it's traditional communication in couples, but I think that based on your upbringing, right, that's not a natural thing
1: to no. do necessarily a little backup before backing up a little bit before we started a business together she'd retired me like I okay. I had gone two or three years without working
0: okay and oh that's right I did find that out about you online too you did it and you were just deep diving into your writing
1: yeah and yeah. the and yeah I totally took over all household chores um And, you know, I, I still do a significant amount of that, but it's, it is, you have to, you have to, she, she took over the cooking since I started working because she prefers to do that. And
0: yeah, I mean, I think the
1: distribution of labor doesn't really have to be defined whether it's male or female. It's just what works for you as a couple and having that open communication around those things.
0: Yeah, I think that's it, right? It's really being able to and hear and to hear it, to ask and to hear and to listen. And um, what works for Mister Rita and I was to get housekeeping and to, uh, to outsource a lot of it, right? So that neither one of us is actually is actually doing it. And that's oh man, just I've what, been so
1: resistant pers- to that. But she finally have you? Oh my gosh, yes. But I mean. We won't go into the reasons why (laughs) punk rock, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, old stories that we tell ourselves. But she did finally get me, convinced me to get someone to mow the lawn this summer. Yes, that was that was kind of nice. I have to say. Yeah,
0: that's nice. So yeah, we did that too, and we have a postage stamp size backyard because we live in a townhouse. We have this postage size, uh, but we still did it because what I realized was I had, I just had to accept that I had as an entrepreneur less free time that wasn't around work or training or my, my hours were different. And when I had free time, I didn't want my husband to have chores and tasks and things to do because our schedule was so different mm-hmm. anyway with him working, you know, we're in corporate America. And so when he, when I was free, I wanted him to be free so we could connect. I didn't want him to have these chores. So we kind of got together and it was like this way when we're together, like, we're to get. We can go do something. We can go like. It's not about going grocery shopping and like. Do it. So we Instacart it and we have that. You know, like we outsource. That's that was my first outsourcing was my my personal. But I love. I love that. Just like sit down and and. I, but that brings me to my next question, which mm-hmm. is, um I'm very lucky and Tara's very lucky in that we have very supportive spouses around this. We do have very understanding and supportive spouses. And I mean, of course, there are times where he wishes that I was more present, that I would like disconnect from my phone a little more, all my boundaries, right? He wishes I honored my boundaries a little bit better and and did all of that, right? Yeah, it's hot, but he he gets it. He's supportive and he gets it. Um, You know, but uh, a lot of the people are like, hey, look, this dynamic is really straining my relationship because my partner, and usually it's women I'm talking to and it's about their husbands. So it's like, my husband does not understand entrepreneurship. My husband doesn't, especially the world of online business. My husband's like, what are you doing all day? You're on Facebook all day. Or you're like, (laughs) it just looks like you're playing around online all day, right? You're on Instagram and you're just, you're just like talking into a camera all day. I need you to really work. Like I need you to go like really work. And so they're like, you know, but what I'm noticing in the online world which if you ever spend time, right, on Facebook and you go into groups and and you hear what entrepreneurs are saying, this is the extreme. It's either, so maybe I should end my relationship or maybe I should end my business, right? He doesn't get me. He's not understanding it. Like he's not supportive. He tells me I can't take this training and I can't go do this thing. And and he doesn't want money spent like that. I need to go get a corporate job and it's straining us and I need to just shut down the marriage or or the, the relationship or maybe I should just shut down my business and go do what he says for the the because my marriage is more important. And I feel like there are a million places to land between those. So what would your suggestion or what would some of your advice be if you came across people who are like, hey, Sean, this is where I'm at. And he just doesn't get it. And he doesn't understand. And you said before, I didn't really know what she did, but you were very supportive. What do you say to them when they're like at this frustrated place of? I want to pursue this and I want to still do it. And I just, he doesn't get it and he's not supporting me.
1: I'll be candid here. Men can be really, really dumb about this one. And it's not all men. There there are very traditional types. Work looks like a traditional thing. And for people growing up in the establishment, non-traditional work, they don't get it. And they haven't put forth the effort to understand what it is. I mean, this kind of work, what I would say to that woman who is having that struggle, the work you're doing, this is bad ass. You are making something for yourself. This can be what you want it to be. you are I mean, I feel it because you're confronting, you know, hundreds of years of establishment that says work looks like a thing and we value work when it looks like a certain thing, I'd say stand up for yourself. Yeah. That's the, that's the kind of the blunt side of things. I would say also schedule date nights.
0: <laughs> right. I know my husband and I have stopped those recently. And I just said to him the other night, I think this is like why I'm snapping at you about yeah. stupid stuff. Right. Cause we, have I been mean, we make the all
1: day. the time for our business. We schedule times to have calls and conversations like this. When have we put something onto our calendar that says, This is the time that I am going to spend with my partner walking in the woods, going mm-hmm. to see a do something together? I commit and invest time in the relationship. And I think as soon as you start doing those things, I think that the communication outside of that becomes easier. I yeah, think they're more no, willing to understand and listen to you when they feel heard and understood and that you've made time for them.
0: And that's that's it, right? Because I think I know, and my my friends will tell me and my husband will tell me that there's definitely a tendency for the entrepreneur in the relationship to talk about business all the time, yes. right? All the time. Yes. A- and sometimes they're just like, can we talk about anything else other than this, right? And also one thing that my husband pointed out that I found very interesting was he was like, okay, I have to be honest, right? And I'm thinking of having him on a podcast episode too, but he was like, look, I have to be honest, Rita, like, you you women, you women, you're saying like, support me. I need you to support me. And at the same time, you're over there saying, but we're going to be poor and this isn't working. And I don't know what to do because we see your freakouts, We see the big freakouts, and we see the stress and we see it. And then you're like, support this business that isn't working and that isn't going to make us any money. And, and not only that, but you're like, and there's no way it's going to work. There's no way people are going to pay me. There's no way that I'm actually going to get this opportunity. And then you're like, why don't you support me? He's like, maybe there's a better way to communicate about your business to us where we're not on freak out mode all the time. Right. So I think communication skills are just.
1: Yeah. Well, and maybe in that situation, something, you know, find yourself a good mastermind or a community or something, someplace where you can really vent those thoughts to somebody who is. Not your husband.
0: (laughs) Not your husband. And I think that's important. So that, I mean, we're going to have a million, trust me, we have a million questions coming up about that. Now, one thing I do want to say is, um, so we had this discussion slightly at Cheap Podcasts and that that opened the door to another conversation that I'm going to get into a little later. But the moment happened for you that happened for my husband. So my husband, he's been very supportive. And then there came a, a year where my salary exceeded his salary. And he wasn't like angry or he loves money and he'll let me, he loves money and as much as we can make is great. But he did admit like, ouch, like that, I can't believe Mm -hmm. that that actually bothered me a little bit and it did bother me. And so while I have some people who are struggling to build their business and they're not having the supportive entrepreneur, I have another bucket of people in my community that are actually succeeding and doing very well and their partner was supportive and then this thing comes and it makes their partner feel some kind of way around their ability to, as you said, stereotypically be the man, mm-hmm. to feel like I can support you and I've got this and I've got you and I can be the, the hero. And like, if anything goes wrong, you know, like this is, it's mine, my domain and I can do it. And they're like, how do I navigate this conversation with my, cause I can tell it's bothering him. But I also, like, don't want it to bother him, but I don't want to make him feel wrong for feeling this way either, or do I want to make him feel wrong for feeling this way? How do I broach that topic? And luckily for me, I was like, my husband broached it with me, and we just had the conversation. But you went through that as well, where it was like, okay, well, my wife makes more more than me. And like you said, society makes you feel certain ways about that. How would you suggest for someone, whether it's the spouse who now isn't the breadwinner and is used to being or the other person who's the breadwinner and wants to have this conversation. What kinds of advice or thoughts do you have around that?
1: Just keep talking. You know, support looks like so many things that I think that the, the idea of the, the, again, to be candid, I think that it's time that we let go of the model of the man breadwinner that goes out and supports his family by bringing home bread To be confrontational to your spouse who's in that situation, I don't know how productive that's going to be, but to continue to have a conversation around that shifting dynamic. And um, I I think it's a conversation that men need to be having with each other that uh, the roles are changing for the better and that we need to keep up. And But how do you do that in your relationships? Just be real. And continue to have those conversations. Good on your husband for being the one to bring it up, because that, that's indicative of a, indicative of a healthy communication, right?
0: Yeah. No, I'm very, for, I'm very, very fortunate because I will say my husband is actually the better communicator than me. I've learned a lot of my communication skills from my husband because before that, I just that wasn't. I mean, I grew up in a single parent family, so I didn't see a couple having to interact and tell each other and work through, you know, it was just my mother. She got to make the decisions and that's what it was. And so I didn't really have the model of watching a dynamic of a relationship and how people deal with things. So for me, it was more just like I just didn't talk about stuff because that's just what I saw and modeled and – but. That also leads me to something we were talking about. And we're, I want to, at the end, we're going to talk a little bit deeper about the men and the conversations okay. and all of that. But, but, um, one thing that, that I do notice is that, but I think a lot of women are so quick to jump on the men. Like, you need to change, you need, but not really acknowledging that, like, this isn't all the time just this overt thing they're choosing to do. It's the way that they've been raised and told. And like, it's inherent that this is like a mark of their ability to be a good husband or a good man or a good whatever. That's a sign, right? That's the mark of being able to do that. And so I feel like to ignore... The fact that that is something ingrained in them and not something that they're just being a mean man about and saying, I need to be the rep, but more like it's an internal thing going on in them that is like important and that needs to be acknowledged as a, a shift or a thing that, yes, it needs to be talked about, but it's not a, I guess I just don't think it's a bad thing that they're feeling like that because it's not necessarily even their fault that they're feeling. No, like they're that, right? We're
1: born into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, same with women born into so much, right? now. Now, when – and I can't wait to get to that conversation at the end, so I'm like, okay, let's go back to the question.
1: Okay, okay. okay.
0: So when Tara started – so Tara started a podcast. So you were writing. You were deep diving into into your writing. Quote, unquote,
1: deep diving into writing.
0: (laughs) I read online that you did, though, that you actually completed a novel through, like, the National Mm -hmm. uh, Novel Month or whatever it is, right? Yeah,
1: National Novel Writing Month.
0: Yeah, Are you ready to do
1: it this November in the middle of a startup? Did, it's going to be crazy.
0: You're going to do it again. So did you, I, but you're not going to do the podcasting one instead? Like, did you hear about the the NAPO month or whatever? I don't know if that's a bad that phrase for it. That's a bad phrase if it is, but the national oh, yeah, I haven't uh, heard
1: about podcast. this. I need to look into this.
0: You record one podcast a day every day for 30 oh, days. Oh my gosh. And it's the way to get people to, uh, an episode every day for 30 days. It's a way to get um, people just to start. Right? Yeah, on the yeah podcast and just so it's kind of the same. Did do something messy, work, yeah, do it messy, which a lot a lot of people have trouble. a lot of people have trouble yeah. doing. But did you do anything with the book that you wrote during that one when you were?
1: no, it's it's still in its draft form,
0: okay, yeah, all right. there's okay, actually so fine, I think there's three
1: of them, three draft novels. Okay.
0: <laughs> Okay, well, that's fine. That's, I mean, I just, I was curious. I was like, is it something out there for people? But um, so you were doing that. Tara has her own business that she's been running. She started a podcast yeah. for her business yeah. called It Works. And you became the producer of that podcast. Right. Were you the producer from the be- beginning of the podcast?
1: Uh, no. So What Works uh, started as, oh man, I can't remember what it was originally called. It changed, it, it had a name change. So she started it with uh, Creative Live was producing it. Yeah. And at some point she took it over for herself, did a name change, and then I came on as the producer.
0: What made you what made and you step up as a producer? Was it an interest? Was it a hobby of yours?
1: Uh audio, I would say, is is uh has been a hobby in the past, but like from a music direction. No, I would say that it was uh it was pressure from a spouse to <laughs> I was convinced that it was a good idea. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, you, I <laughs> And, you know, I, I would say as with a lot of things like that, you know, it made sense as soon as I was doing it. And I think sometimes the the work precedes the the, the passion. And yeah. we had talked about that. I think that you say, like, I'm going to go do this thing that I already know that I'm going to like. Uh, yeah, right. Like, no, you, sometimes you follow the work and then you find your passion while you're doing it.
0: Yeah. I think that's really the majority of, of the time because what happens is if you're usually passionate about something and then it becomes the work, then you're kind of like, oh, now this is my job and this is like the work and now my passion yeah. for it. it is tempered a little bit because of all of this other stuff that I didn't have to deal with before, right? Um, So I, I want to go back real quickly to when you did quit your job. So she retired you and you were doing the writing. Like, we're. Was there anything about that that freaked you out? Were you like, I think I should go back to work? Was it a plan to go back to, like, working on your own and working in a way for yourself? Was it just a forever thing? Like, what was your mindset around choosing to actually be retired and to do do that? And was there ever a moment where it's like, I should maybe go get a job?
1: You know, we... we this speaking of stories that we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves that our our work is can be such a, a burden and such a hardship. And man, when you some we there's that other story of when people retire and they're like, oh shit, what am I doing? What am I gonna do with myself? And so I would say that that idea that I'm gonna do the thing that I love when I have the time. And then suddenly you I was presented with all of that time and i didn't do anything <laughs> and i found that i'm way more productive when i'm having to find the time when i'm having to spa- you know get it in early in the morning i found i found that um, that when i just had uh, all day to do whatever i wanted i did not use it productively <sighs> And yeah, that's a ch- uh,
0: good point. Good point. Like, I, for people who freak out about schedules, Right. In scheduling in general, I always say, look, I, I really promise the more scheduled you are, the freer you feel. Cause if you have all day to do something and then you don't do it all day, then you're going to feel really stressed out and pressed. And like, I'm not doing it. I need to do all this stuff. And why have I not, not done it? Right. So, and, and people who are like, I have a full time job. I can't start a business. I'm like, that might be the best time to start your business because you're going to be really focused during the hours that you're starting your business. Right. Yeah. Like I, yeah I think it's a good point. Um, so. Okay, so Tara, did you say uh, maybe spousal pressure to become the podcast producer? Was it also spousal spousal pressure to then go full-fledged into b- starting up this second business? Uh,
1: so, yes. Um, uh-huh. Yes and no on that one. Um, we... Reached a point where I was no longer able to be retired. We'll put it that way. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. business doesn't go always go the way that you want it to, and sometimes there are highs and sometimes there are lows.
0: Like I said, sometimes there are macaroni days. Yes, like I totally exactly. get it. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> sometimes those freak out nights of we're gonna everything's gonna go. Sometimes they're valid. You know,
0: it's valid. Yes.
1: And so <laughs> I was presented with a situation where I was like, "Well, I need to bring in. I need to start working again." And it was a little rough because everything that I have done for my entire life that I know how to do, well, that really doesn't bring in a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And when I have Tara, who's right there and has work and we can do this thing and, and actually make money at it, bring in a decent income yeah. um, and be able to work from home and have our travel Flexibility and creativity and make it for what we want it to be. It just made sense. You know, I was already doing um at that point, by the time we started Yellow House, uh, I had started producing another friends podcast um, Ready Enough with Tanya Geisler. And so I was already producing two, and I'd started doing some consulting for other podcasters. So it's just like, let's let's productize these services let's make this real. Tara put up a website in like two minutes yeah, because that's how she works. And, right. Let's uh, just
0: see what happens. Yeah. And yeah.
1: and here we are.
0: Yeah. So did you guys have any kind of big, deep conversation? Or, look, we're going into business together. We are a married couple, but now we are actually also going to be working together all of the time. Was there any kind of discussion around what that would look like and feel like? Were there concerns around it? Or was it more like just navigating it as
1: no, we had long. those conversations, uh, you know, you hear business, like friendships, friends that go into business together. I think it's really wise to go into it with something resembling an exit plan, mm-hmm. almost like, what do they call that in marriage? Not a, not a post-mortem, a uh, um, prenuptial like a
0: prenuptial. Yeah. And
1: I think that it's really wise to have arrangements established or at least discussed and are in the process. Cause we don't have anything like really set in stone but I don't want to do this forever. And it's not not like, I I don't like this, I I need to stop. It's like, I know myself well enough to know that there will be a time when I want to do something different. And we have been actively discussing what that process looks like. And it doesn't mean, you know, that could mean, we are looking towards scaling from the very beginning. We're looking at potential sale, you know, in 10 years or something. Or, and scaling means that we can bring on people to do the work for us and we just take on a larger, bigger picture role. And, and how do we keep, and how do we talk to each other and how do we check in with each other on a regular basis? We don't always stick to it, but <laughs> we do have our weekly meeting. And and I, and I think that that's also something that any business partnership should do regardless. Yeah. It just kind of, yeah, it just kind of looks different. Any
0: team. Any team, right? Well, the one question that came up the most from my community when I was talking about this was, don't they get sick of each other? How do they not get sick of each other if they're working together all day and then they're hanging out all night and then they're going to all these conferences together and they're doing all of these things together? Like, how do they? So the the question was, aren't they sick of each other? And then the next followed up very quickly by how do they set boundaries between work and between personal or do you or is it something that's even needed?
1: uh we certainly get tired of each other um and again i say that that's that's also pretty common in any relationship regardless right you need to i mean that's you have to establish boundaries and have created space and time to be apart from each other I and mean, this is a healthy relationship um we fortunately have separate offices down the hall from each other and on most days out of the week i see her in the morning and then I see her, I mean, I'm 30 feet away from her and at the, I'm not going to see her until five, five thirty, Right. Yeah. And so, and it, we slack each other in, in the house. Right? <laughs> like a real
0: office, like a real office. Yeah, It's just like, it's yeah. like, that.
1: don't come and bother me. Don't come over to my, leave your cubicle and come talk to me in my cubicle. Slack me that information. You know, I, I think that we, on a day-to-day basis, we function very much largely like a business, like an office. And so, and because we have kind of separated out who does what.
0: That was another, that was another question that I got. So another question I got was, are there clear swim lanes for the work that you both do or is it fuzzy?
1: Um, I would say that mostly it's clearly defined, but fuzzy in that we are still in a startup phase. And so some of those things we're having to sort of create and design together And so there are certainly times where I'm like, I have to send an email. And so I'll have her check a draft before I send it or, you know, that type of thing. And a lot of the, because she has so much more experience, a lot of the systems that we're establishing, we're establishing them together. So right now I'd say things are somewhat fuzzy, but our goals are, there'll be really clear definitions of who does what.
0: How do you decide, like, how did you guys divvy up the obligations and duties. Is it based on strengths? Is it based how did you guys make the decision on who was going to do what?
1: Um, I would say it's based on strengths, preferences, and experience. Yeah. And yeah. you know, Tara's still running what works full mm-hmm. time. You know, that's that's right. her that's her gig, right? And so a lot of the things that we're doing, it's being designed so that I can largely I can do most of the work.
0: Do most of it. And like you said, you've designed it or you're you're designing it with the ability to scale it from the, the beginning, which is the one other quote unquote, I, quote, unquote podcast interview I found of you, because it was really just you and Tara on Tara's podcast right, like, right. talking I, I, about yeah, this. Yeah. Or, yeah. I didn't list that one I as an
1: actual interview because it. Yeah, yeah, I don't really count that yeah,
0: one. No, exactly. That's just like you guys talking about your endeavor. But yes, it was like that was very interesting to listen to. And I suggest that everybody does if you're thinking about, well, what does that mean? And what does it mean to scale? I thought that was a really excellent um, episode about that. Now, what about do you guys have that where it's like, These hours are like, we're not talking about work during this time. We're going to talk about anything but work. Or is that not really an issue for you? Because that was a question that came up. Like, do you guys have to set? Like, this is personal time and we will not – or Otherwise, you're talking about work all the – You have the danger of talking about work all the time and nothing else or –
1: I think it would probably be pretty helpful for us to actually establish like – non office hours. And this is when we don't talk about work. We haven't done that. Um, only in that we haven't really had the necessity to, because we're pretty good at some point, one of the one or the other of us will say, we need to stop talking about this. Seriously, yeah. I can't talk about this right now. And it did because we are in a startup phase, we have to talk about it. You know, we, yeah. there sometimes yeah. it's it, 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 the business sort of like grows out and, and we need to like touch bases on these things. Um fortunately, we both also have a lot of shared interests outside of work. And so uh, we're often talking about those things. And the great thing about podcasting in general, and the creative element of it is that it encompasses so many different areas of so many different topics. And so sometimes talking about, I don't know, like national parks or something, that largely is talking about podcasts because there yeah. are right, and so yeah. I don't know. I think we're we're fortunate that we found something that we enjoy talking about with each other, mm-hmm. and yeah. we're both pretty aware of looking at each other in the face and being like, "Yeah, you're exhausted. We should th- we should <laughs> yeah. stop talking about this.
0: Stop. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a good thing to let's talk about anything else. But yeah, this. you no, you want to take good. a walk?
1: Let's let's just like talk about something else.
0: Again, the ability to say it, right? The ability to be like, "This needs to to just cut off." Yeah, I would say
1: definitely cool. be aware of the potential and just keep yeah. tabs. It. Yeah,
0: yeah, it definitely the potential is there to just be like, "We have only talked about this for forty eight hours. We need to do something else." Um, so the other question that came up was, "How do you keep the romance and intimacy and surprise alive when you kind of really know how?" Like, I have no idea what happened to my husband. I mean, I do. I know what his work days like for the most part, but like, but I don't. I don't know who said what to him today or uh, something he saw out of his office window or, and he has no idea. He has no idea. Like I'm doing this interview. Like he doesn't So he'll come home and he'll be like, tell me about your day. And he'll be super like, Wow, that's an interesting thing. Like that's a, but for you guys, is it like, but you both know what you did for your day because you both own the business together and you kind of know each other's schedules and how you spent the day? and then so yeah, you know, how do you keep that surprise and that interest and that alive when there isn't that separation to be like, I need to discover you again every day and what happened to you today?
1: I would say that that is still a place of challenge for us. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'll have to check back with you on that one.
0: Yeah, I would love that. Cuz I think you're actively navigating that right right now, yeah, right? We are. And it, it it is. Yeah, it is. Um do you take time away? Like do you go away on like Sean solo trips or do you go with your friends? Does, does Tara go off and do her own thing? Like do you guys factor that in and plan for that or is that just something that happens or it doesn't happen at all?
1: I'd say something that's something that is in the works that is in sort of in okay. the process. Like actually right now at this very moment Tara has left the house and is having time to herself.
0: <laughs> she's out of the house, everyone. Tara. Well, by the time you hear this, she's probably not, but she is out of the house. <laughs> so that is something
1: that I that I'm terrible at. And leaving the house. Well, no, like I'm really good at leaving the house, but not good at leaving the house by myself. And I gotcha. And it's something that, but it's something that I need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I have. Had some mixed results. Like sometimes like you set these like goals and then you go to conferences for three weeks straight and every, your whole schedule gets out of whack. Um, but no, I have it written on my calendar. This is the time when I'm going to go and do me. Oh,
0: I like it. And like for it. me. Scheduled time. Like I, Scheduled time. Like,
1: I, like I, I go to the grocery store, get a latte, go grocery shopping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I take myself out. I'm the best date that I've ever been on, right? Totally, like right? I always have a great time. It's do you know? Men-
1: uh, do you know Katie yeah. Linder? Do you know her at all?
0: I know her. I've never met her, but I know who she is.
1: She does a, like a monthly day of solitude.
0: Yes. And this
1: is something that I want to do. And like my version of of like daily solitude, a month, a month, a day of solitude would be like, go thrift store shopping or something, you know, like go to the antique ball. That's, that's Mm -hmm. like me. So no, that's something that I'm working on. Let's put it that way.
0: I highly suggest, so I do it a little differently. I have once a month what I call read a day. And on read a day, I leave my house by myself and I always have a starting point that's suggested by other people. And I, I try to go places I've never been before. And then I start there and I talk to people I don't know. And then I get a recommendation on where to go next from whatever happens there. Oh, that's right? awesome. So I either get a clue or a hint or I'll see something or somebody will say, you should go to this thing. And I kind of go through my day and I never know where I'm going to end up and who I'm going to meet and what's going to happen. And um it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Like I love it. And people wait. They're like, what's happening on Rita Day Today? Where are you going? Like it's always the last Friday of the, well, usually the last Friday of the month. And then once a quarter, I go on my solo retreat. Oh, that's so awesome. I go on a solo retreat. And it's it is a little more for me, it's more business play, like it's a retreat, like a corporate retreat would be where I'm not in the day-to-day grind, but I'm somewhere new and I'm somewhere different. And part of it's business and part of it's the creative aspect. But I go away for like four days. By myself every quarter. And in fact, my husband can usually tell, he'll go, you, you need to set that. You need to go. <laughs> you need to do that soon and you need to leave. In fact, Rita, why don't you go do that right here? Let's go look at a, let's look at a place. Where do you want to go? Oh, that but sounds I found great. that to be great. Right. So I highly, anybody, you, any, anybody listening, I, whether you're, you've got a spouse you work with or not, like yeah. I highly, highly suggest it. Um, so then another question that kind of came up and we, we've talked about, some of these, like I'm looking at all all of these right now, um, is do you set goals as a couple as well as in your business? So my husband and I have started something, we only started a couple years ago where we actually set yearly goals as a couple, like two or three things that we really want to achieve in our marriage or in our relationship or like just as part of our relationship and marriage. Um, And it's been highly interesting like doing that. And I'm wondering if you guys do that. For personal as well as for business, or no?
1: Oh, we do. I would. I would be curious to hear, kind of maybe not here, but in more detail, what you yeah. mean by that. Um, I Mean our version of setting long-term goals are largely around traveling. Um, traveling is a great way to reset as a couple. Uh, you get out of your comfort zones. You have to. Bet- depend upon each other you have to lean yeah. on each other you do find the surprise and the excitement but the 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 long-term project that we have and i can't remember if i told you this or not but we're doing every national park in the next 10 years
0: oh no i didn't And so that, that's
1: yeah. the goal that we have sent and so set. and so every every year that means we have like a little quota that we have to fill mm-hmm. so we usually like with thanksgiving we don't usually do thanksgiving at home we usually go out into the woods or something and so this year we're thinking maybe we'll hit a new national park for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's nice. Something within yeah, driving distance. But like No, I
0: love it. I it's love nice that. to have I'd those like long-term, long-term goals. Yes. I think it's really important. I think it's really important to be kind of on the, you know, like collectively on the same page around something, whether it's going to all the national parks or it's just like, hey, like let's both make a commitment to be more connected this year. Oh, that would Or be great. let's yeah. make right like let's disconnect something like that. Like I, I love that. And then um a question that came up that I found really, this was one of the most interesting questions that I thought was, can you please ask them, do they plan for failure as much as they plan for success in that, right? Their mindset as a couple around taking risk, because if they take a risk in their business, that's kind of like their full income in a way. And I'll say they didn't know at the time that who it was. So Tara has another business. Mm -hmm. She has a source of revenue, but like Take that aside a little. It's still like when you guys make a decision, it's not just you and your fifty percent goes away. It's like that decision could make or break the business, right? So, do you find that, and you're both in that business? Do you find that that makes you more strategic, or like less likely to take a, a risk, or do you find that um, you are planning for failure in that business as much as success? Because both, like your livelihood for the most part kind of depends on the business, both of you. It's not like somebody's in corporate America over there with the benefits and the, the steady salary. And like, no matter what happens with you in this business, that salary is going to keep coming in. It's like, if we make this choice, this could affect both of us in a big major way.
1: I understand the question, but immediately what comes to mind is not so much the risk that's involved, but the benefits that are involved. Yeah. Um, you know, if in a lot of those traditional relationships where you've got like typically the dude going out and making the money, all that pressure falls directly on one person's shoulders. And sometimes they bring it home. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they say what's going on. Sometimes they don't. Because we are in it together. We are more capable of keeping tabs on each other. And also this responsibility doesn't fall onto one person's shoulders so that I know that we've got each other and support and can support each other, and I we both have confidence uh, in each other's ability that if something did happen, yeah, we would take care of it.
0: You know, you can navigate it, yeah. right? I think that that's I I always tell people right when it comes to business, we get in our own way. We get in our own way every time, and the reason why is usually we either don't trust ourselves to do the work or we really the bigger problem is we don't trust ourselves to navigate whatever happens yeah. as a result of taking the action right and if you can tap into that trust of we can navigate whatever happens as a result of taking this action then you take the action You're a right, lot easier yeah. real life faster and so i love that you you said that now my husband and a few of uh, the other husbands out there in the world who um do or are partners of women entrepreneurs right they, my husband has joked around with them like there really needs to be a support club for, for non-entrepreneur husbands of entrepreneur wives. And, um, and 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 it's a joke, but we talked about this a little bit at, at She Podcast, which is, you know, my husband says it jokingly, but there really, when you think about it, there really aren't many people that he can, especially in his world where he's not in an entrepreneur world at all, like he's just not there at all, there are not many people he can talk to who get it or where he would feel comfortable bringing up certain things and having certain discussions. And, um, you know, why do you think it is? Why do you think it is that men have such a resistance to opening up, talking to each other, talking about, you know, these big, bigger topics? Like, My wife makes more than me now, and I like don't know how I feel about that. And I should discuss this out with you, like, dude, right? Like, that's not something that's really collect. I know it happens, but it's not happening on the majority. Why do you think that that is?
1: Again, candidly, I think it's systemic uh, sexism. I think that it's the patriarchy. I think that, uh, I mean, men men were born into this as well, and we were never raised. We weren't taught how to do differently. And, you know, we try and we try to find it for ourselves, but we don't have a whole, a lot of men don't really have a lot of other male role models that can say that we can look to and be like, oh, that's what that looks like. I'm going to follow so-and-so's lead, right? Unfortunately, a lot of us aren't the best at talking about these things with any sincerity. We spend too much time joking and putting each other down and joshing with each other. But when it talks, it comes down to something that's real. Like, you know, my, um, my mother, my, that's (laughs) such a terrible (laughs) slip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we're leaving it in. (laughs) My
1: my wife makes more money than I do and I'm struggling. What's up with that? You want to go play some pool? I need to like, talk about this in a real way. I hope there are men out there who have other men they can talk to.
0: Yeah. But I'm definitely. afraid
1: that there just isn't a whole lot of that. and
0: There's not a lot that of conversation that. conversation
1: needs to be happening.
0: Well, right. And so what we were talking about and uh, idea that you've been floating yeah. around and kind of batting around is maybe having a podcast where this happens, where there are men who are talking about these topics and about these things. And then other men can listen and kind of like. Not learn, but model, or see, or feel, or whatever it is, right? Or maybe even have this bigger collective discussion. So, like, tell me a little bit about that—that idea. What's going on with your thought process around that?
1: Um, My stepdaughter's best friend, her parents got a divorce recently, and she's—it's been like this big disaster or something in in a ten year old's world, right? Um. And it sounds like the dad is kind of an ass, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people who were, like, were saying like, oh, this guy, you know, he can't keep a job, you know, he drinks too much, he's emotionally detached, he has three daughters and he's just like, he's just a man. And it just occurred to me in there, it's like, well, now that he's, he's getting a divorce and the one person in his life that's there to do emotional labor for him, his wife is gone. Who does he have? Mm-hmm. And this whole thing occurred to me. It's just like, there's this, I mean, he probably is an asshole, right? Yeah. But that man's hurting. And who does he have to go to? Who does he have that? Who can he actually have that conversation with if he's even capable, which is doubtful. And so it kind of got me thinking, you know, I, one of the reasons that I, I'm really interested in doing um, podcasting and producing is I have aspirations towards coaching. Mm-hmm. And i often think that coaching men would be a place where I could easily fit. But so this idea of doing a podcast where it's a podcast for men with men talking to men about being a man. And I mean that in the broadest sense of man. Right. And I, I do not mean that in a narrow way. Right. And talking about the things that should I think that we need to be talking about toxic masculinity you know our spouse makes more than us you know my my traditional 9 to 5 job is going away and i don't know what to do mm-hmm. and these are yep. and these are i i would really that's kind of the that's the yeah. idea
0: well, you had even said that perhaps this interview would be the thing that actually kickstarted you putting together, right, that podcast. So, um, why the? He- I mean, it, it's obviously an idea you had for a while. You had had that simmering before we talked about sure. it, and and it's been a little. I mean, it's been a couple weeks, two or three weeks since we, and you're it's still simmering. So, why the hesitation around is it? Is is it just the time commitment involved in it, or is there something bigger? Uh,
1: it's bigger. I mean, it's it's my personal issues with. Finishing things and moving things from an idea, from a conception into an actuality. I mean, things are so much fun when they're in the concept phase. Wouldn't this be such a good idea? And you can, but then when you really start getting into it, it becomes pretty scary.
0: Yeah.
1: And like a lot of your, a lot of your feelings, a lot of my feelings of being an imposter, the imposter complex starts really coming out. It's like, this is Mm -hmm. the moment, man, this is it. When everyone's going to discover me for the fraud that I am. Right. And you're like putting yourself in front of people is really hard. And so I admire podcasters who are willing to like really put themselves out there.
0: Now you've, you've navigated that feeling before though, with other ventures that you've done. So how, because that is something that's faced by a lot of entrepreneurs out there. How do you navigate that in general when that starts popping up and it's that whole big, who are you two big imposter? Like this is not, you maybe shouldn't do this. Like how have you navigated through that in the past?
1: Well, I try to remind myself that it's, I don't have to compare myself to anybody else, that it is my experience, that it is my voice, and as long as I am true to myself, it doesn't matter what other people have done, because I i can make it look like how, I, it's going to look like me, and at its core, that's awesome, right, yeah. because we all, this is that thing, this is all woo-woo. Yeah. We all have this beautiful voice. And as long as we allow it to come out, then we'll be fine.
0: Yeah. No, I I love Woo and every I think all my listeners love Woo <laughs> too. So we're all in agreement on that. It's probably, yeah, yeah, I should do that, right? Easier said than done, I know, which is why, you know, support in general and communication and all of that's really good. Now, um, what I want to do here, the way that I kind of end my podcast a little bit, um, and then we're gonna talk about the actual company that you and Tara have started is a, a few rapid fire questions. So this is mm. like, do not overanalyze, okay. do not just spit out what comes to your into your head, right? Which is what is like a favorite life mantra or what's a mantra that you just love?
1: Okay. So the first fast rapid fire, right? The first yeah. thing, you know, how you put your little sticky notes everywhere for the little self affirmations. Yeah. My current one is just do you.
0: Oh, I like that. That's one. the one I have okay. on my,
1: on my mirror at the moment.
0: Okay, cool. What's on your podcast playlist right now?
1: Oh, uh, I just discovered a new one about building large format cameras. I'm listening to that one. Um, I always listen to. I like really niche podcasts. Uh, okay. I um, I'm listening to On the Ledge, which is about indoor horticulture, house plants. Oh wow, that one's great. Okay. Um, there's a couple horror pod. I like listening to horror. Okay.
0: That's so cool. <laughs> is is Terrace <terrorist> podcast? <laughs> It's like, oh man, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little I don't, I'll, need to listen to it.
1: I'll give you a little tip out there for people out there in <laughs> podcasts if you have a podcast just because someone subscribes to your podcast it, it does not mean that they're listening to it it's
0: so true <laughs> it's so true i guarantee my husband does not listen to, to my well podcast of course i'm listening to
1: tara's sort of well you're producing it, right? it
0: exactly but you know i have <laughs> like 50
1: like podcasts in my queue right now am I going to listen to them? No.
0: I think that's the danger of actually, so now that I'm new in the podcast world, newish in the podcast world, like the danger is I didn't have barely any podcasts on my podcast playlist. Now I have, it's like my books. I have so many podcasts on my want to listen to list. It's like, I don't know what to do with it. Um, What books are on your nightstand? What kind of books are you reading right now?
1: Oh man, I'm reading one uh, that my mother recommended to me. Um, translated from Italian. Uh, all of this I will give to you. I think it's called. Okay. And then I'm reading, I just picked up this other one by a tiny little publisher called Broken River. And it's um, it's going to take me forever though because it's almost half of it's in it's in Spanglish. And so oh, okay, like I'm having yeah. to stop every paragraph to translate it because my <laughs> Spanish is abysmal. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one's really good. It's, it's a horror one. I really like small press horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the business world, I mean, in like more like self-work, I'm reading Cal Newport's, um, what's it called? Uh, so good. They can't ignore you. I
0: think. Oh, they can't ignore you. Yeah. yeah I think that's That one's great. I'm really
1: enjoying that one.
0: Okay. All right, cool. Um, what's something that people seem to misunderstand about you?
1: As I kind of lean back and kind of contemplate that one. Um, are you familiar with the Enneagram types?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so
1: I'm a nine, and uh, I am extremely agreeable, but oftentimes, so the thing that I was misunderstood is that just because I am doing what you want me to do, doesn't mean that it's actually what I wanted to do. Which is (laughs) that's speaking (laughs) speaking to self work. That's one that I'm working on. Telling people, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> no, I don't want to do it. Okay. Okay. And what's one, pe- based on our whole conversation today, what's one piece of advice? I'm going to ask three, things, like, what's one piece of advice that you have for the audience as a whole based on our conversation today?
1: Based upon our conversation today, I'd mm-hmm. say be strong. Know what you're doing is awesome. When you hear push, when you get pushback, stand up for yourself. You know, you're doing this for a reason and it's a good reason. And, you know, and if you struggle finding that reason, you know, come up with your mission statement. So when someone gives you pushback, you whip out your mission statement and slap them around with it, metaphorically speaking.
0: (laughs) metaphorically speaking. Because you're
1: awesome. <laughs> or
0: actually speaking. I kind of like that picture depending too. Depending upon <laughs> the purpose, roll it up into a ball
1: and whack them on the head. Exactly.
0: I kind of like that. Yeah, I kind of like it. What about a piece of advice for me? I mean, you are a podcast producer after all. So I mean, I'm mean, i like, this is my moment. Like, Would you have any advice for me?
1: Uh, no, I, I, okay. I really enjoy. It. I think you're a great interviewer. Um, oh, thank you. I would suggest using Zencaster because I think Zencaster is awesome.
0: Okay. I will check it out. I'm new. I am new. So the Zoom was the familiar, but I'm definitely exploring. And we kind of can talk options. about it in
1: greater depth later. Okay. But I, I would, would say your uh your interview skills are spot on.
0: Oh thank you. Now, what about a piece of advice for you based on the conversation that we had today? Uh
1: I would take the first piece of advice that I gave to your audience and apply it to uh, myself. I'm much better at giving other people advice than I am about adhering to my own advice.
0: Yeah, yeah I got you. And, <laughs> oh. Uh
1: I would say give more time to myself so that I don't get lost in
0: yeah
1: in other people's needs, in the business's needs, in everything. Make sure that I don't lose myself.
0: Yeah, that's, so, that's such good advice for all of us. So let's talk now. Let's end and talk about Yellow House Media, which is the company that you and Tara own together. Talk about it a little bit. I mean, I know what it does, but tell everybody out there, what does it do? Who does it help?
1: Uh, we are a full-service podcast production and strategy agency. That means we offer a few services. We've productized three services. that um, We do what Tara calls the soup to nuts version, which is we do, we produce your podcast. Um, We set it up so that you come on and you are the talent and we take care of everything else. You do your recording and everything else is taken care of. Um, I think that in that, in that on, with that package, the thing that separates us because there are a lot of people I think who can do guest management and, Uh, product project management and audio editing and that type of thing the thing that makes us different is that we are thinking about the business business's goals first we view podcasts as content marketing and to make sure that we really focus on the why so that when you you know what your goals are. So you can say, yes, I have achieved my goals. And so I think that that's the thing that really separates us because of our, biz, our experience in business. We can go into a content calendar and create a content calendar out from the business's larger goals. So you know that you're achieving those goals. So that's, that's that. Um, the other service that is basically that we offer a three-hour, um, like half day deep dive into your content where with a little bit of preliminary, uh, homework, you sit down with me and we build a six month editorial calendar with your offers in mind. That one's been really great. And then, and then we offer another one called the, um, Oh, now I can't remember what it's called. It's on the website, but it's okay. uh, but that one's basically turns, it's a two parter where we work, we do 90 minutes, we work on your premise of the podcast. I gave you some homework and then several weeks later we get together and do the editorial calendar. We're trying to, we we have plans for offering other services. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something really right now we, with the scaling in mind, we're trying to keep our offers very specific and we're not mm-hmm. offering all la cart services We're where, yeah. you know, we, we do offer things sort of designed specifically for different people's needs, but Yeah.
0: No, I love it. I think that's great. I think that in itself is great advice for a lot of entrepreneurs out there. So the the podcasts are kind of new. I mean, they're not. They've been around forever. But they're really starting to become mainstream. Mm -hmm. More and more people are talking about them. More and more people are listening. What do you think the easiest next step is for somebody who's totally like, okay, I keep hearing podcasts, I kind of know what they are. Is this something that I wanna do for my business? Is it something I should do? Which is a question I'm getting a lot. Rita, should I just do it? Should I do a podcast? Like I hear everybody doing them. Is this something I should do? What do you think the next step for somebody who's really not in the podcast world, doesn't really know much about it other than what they are, but is wondering, should I do it? What would the right next step be for them?
1: I mean, the first next step would be the listening to podcasts. I would say like figure out what your niche is, what your area is. And figure out what other people are doing in your field and listening mm-hmm. to what pe- those people are doing and see if there's something that you that inspires you and feels like that's something that could fit. Because podcasts aren't necessarily always going to be a fit. I mean, they're very hot right now, and I do believe strongly in their potential. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing for you. But I would yeah. say educate yourself and there's this beautiful thing called the uh, called YouTube, and <laughs> go on there, and there are so many solid tutorials on how to get started because it's it is it's it's daunting. I like the technology, the software, we're recording yeah. our voice, we're telling stories. Yeah. I mean, this is this is daunting.
0: It's not e- it's not easy, especially if it's just something brand new to you. So so. They could also perhaps, right, maybe have a half day intensive no, with of Tara yes, or Sean, yes. right? Like over there where they could talk about, you could talk about your content in general, right? Yeah. And then see if pod, if a podcast is the right fit for you in that. So how can they follow you? How can they reach out to you for more info? Where can they find information on on the company, on you? Where's the best place for them to uh
1: Yellowhouse Media, or sorry, yellowhouse.media. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we do, we offer a free 30 minute consultation and we can have a, okay. we can get you on the phone. We can get you on a zoom call, talk about what your ideas are and actually see if there's a fit somewhere in there. Um, that.
0: that's perfect.
1: Cause we want to work with people who it's a good fit for both of us. Cause we want to get, give people a good ROI and it's just, so that's how you'd reach us. There's a, it's all very easy and self-explanatory on the website. And then okay. follow me on Instagram.
0: On the Instagram, are you just your name, at your name? Yeah, it's at
1: Sean D. McMullen
0: okay D oh you put the D in there okay. Sean don't worry was already guys taken. <laughs> well I know somebody else is already there right like that, that was that was another thing I just kept finding the wrong Sean when I was doing research on you but um, I will put in the show notes guys all of the information of everything that we talked about today so you can easily find books and you can find the site but um, I highly suggest maybe if you've been thinking about podcasting taking Sean up on that offer for a 30 minute conversation because even just that could help give you a lot of clarity so thank you so much Sean for being of here course. today Thanks for having me and here. taking this extra time I really think it's an important conversation so I'm really glad that you were able to to be with us. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, everyone, I will catch you next week on another episode of Read a Mimi Do It. Next time on the Read a Mimi Do It show, you know, running a business is hard enough, but it can be made even more difficult when you have to deal with naysayers and critics. Now, I travel to speak. I've been doing it a lot recently. And one of my favorite things to do is to sit and talk with all of the attendees around their business about what lights them up and what challenges they're facing. And one thing I'm hearing a lot lately is that they're frustrated and upset that their family and their friends just aren't supporting their business. And so I ask them, what kind of support are you not getting? And they say things like, well, you know... They're not sharing my products or my services on their Facebook page. And they say, ah, my friend, they just hired another blah, blah, blah. So like insert in blah, 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 whatever it is that the person telling me the story does. Or, you know, my husband, he won't help me brainstorm ideas for my next offering. Or my family, they just won't listen to my podcast. And like, I kind of get that last one, guys. (laughs) But I have a little newsflash for you. Unless you hired them as your business team or your marketing team, your street team, your family, your partner, and your friends, they are not obligated to promote your business or to use your products or to attend your events. I mean, that wasn't what made them your family or your friends or your partner in the first place. And therefore, it really shouldn't be a condition that keeps them in your life. Now, there is a difference between highly toxic people and people that are just not promoting or talking about your business. But it can definitely be frustrating when you keep hearing questions like, when are you gonna get a real job? And when it seems like no matter what you say in response, your family, your friends, your partner, they just can't understand what it is that you do for a living. But, If those comments keep happening, it may not be a lack of support problem. It might be a you problem. So is there someone in your life who you feel isn't totally supportive of your entrepreneurial path? Are you giving them what they need to be able to support you? Is there anything that you can do differently so that they understand what it is that you do? Today, I dive into this so that you can learn how to communicate in a way that enables your entire network to provide you with meaningful support. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the A Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to RitaMamieDoIt.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.